We are in a series called The Kingdom of God According to Matthew, and we're, over the next couple of years, walking through the book of Matthew. And last week, if you were here, well, whether or not you were here, we talked about John the Baptist's baptizing ministry. And if you weren't here, you should download the podcast and listen to it, because that's what we talked about last week. But th- today, we will read Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. So jump in with me on your iPhone or your Bible, whatever you have in front of you. Then Jesus came to Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Let's pray together, and then we'll dive into God's Word. Father, tonight as we look at the story of Jesus being baptized, we pray that you would energize us we would realize that he was baptized into humanity so that we might be baptized into him. Help us to understand what it means to be baptized. And for folks who might be new or or don't know Christ or haven't been baptized or don't understand, we pray that the concept of baptism would be very clear to them especially. And for the rest of us, all of us who know Christ have been baptized into Christ. Help us to understand and revel in that beautiful truth, that mystery That when Jesus prayed for us before he died on the cross, he prayed that we might be made one with him as he is one with the Father and the Spirit and has been forever and ever. We we exist as Christians in, in community with you because of Jesus. And tonight, we pray that as we dwell on that concept, our hearts would be made alive again. Alive afresh with this remembrance that your son is amazingly wonderful and you are a wonderful God. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, John the Baptist was a baptizing machine. If you were here last week, you saw that. He was standing on the Jordan River and people are coming and coming and coming and coming and coming to be baptized by him. In a sense, John the Baptist was kind of running like a spiritual laundromat for lack of a better term. He had this baptism of repentance. I made a little makeshift laundromat here for you. Hopefully none of your clothes are as dirty as mine, but imagine this is a t-shirt, because it is. This t-shirt is dirty. John the Baptist would take dirty people. This seems like I'm about to do a magic trick. I'm not. I'm just going to do a little illustration. John the Baptist would take dirty people, messed up people, and they'd confess their sins. He'd wash them in the water of baptism, and their sins would be washed away. And a lot of times when we think about baptism, that's what we think about is this idea of our sins being washed away. You know, hear people saying things up there like, I'm, I'm having a fresh start. I'm starting new. I need my sins to be forgiven. And, and we always come alongside and say, hey, we remember that happened when you believed. But there's something about being baptized and being dunked in the water that just feels like you're getting clean again. And that's what John the Baptist was doing. These sinners would come to him. These Folks like us, we're sinners, they'd come to John the Baptist and he'd say, Jesus is coming soon, we need to get ready. And they'd confess their sins and he'd wash them clean of their sins. And so then remember the the religious leaders, they came to John the Baptist and he kind of made fun of them. Because they were folks who had, it's like they had dirty shirts that they had spray painted white and tried to make look clean. And he says, hey, 
you're here for the spiritual laundromat, but you seem like you're pretty convinced that you don't need it. And I'm here to make dirty people clean. Are you in for that? Are you in for that? Because John spent his life creating a community of people that when Jesus came, they'd be ready to follow him. And then in Matthew chapter 3, we see that Jesus does come. And he gets closer to John the Baptist. And it's like that moment that John had been waiting for during his whole little ministry there was finally coming true that Jesus was going to come and usher God's people into a beautiful future. Jesus would be the leader. He'd be the king that would take these folks, these cleansed folks, on a journey of faith. And he'd establish a kingdom and he'd change the world through these people that John had helped make clean. And so Jesus comes, but instead of saying, I'm the king, let's go, Jesus says to John, baptize me. And John's thinking about the laundromat. I take dirty people and I make them clean. And he looks at Jesus, who's not dirty. And he says, Jesus, I can't baptize you. I I make sinners clean. That's what I do. Because Jesus, I was kind of hoping you'd baptize me when you got here today, right? Because I'm just one of these folks here. I just, I'm just the one who's washing them. But I told them you were coming and you're mightier than me. That you're the amazing one. I can't even, I'm not even fit to tie your shoes, Jesus. That's what I've been telling these people. I should be baptized by you. And you come to me to be baptized? And Jesus says, let it be so. This is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus doesn't say, hey, I'm a dirty person too. He doesn't say, no, no, I'm a sinner just like you guys. And Jesus says, hey, I'm not baptized because I'm a sinner. I get that, John. You understand who I am. I'm being baptized because this is what righteous people are supposed to do. A lot of times we think about righteousness and being a good person as being a person who's clean. That if we're righteous, that means we don't have any sin in us. And we're not dirty anymore. And we want to be a person who doesn't mess up anymore. We want to be a person who doesn't fool around anymore. We want to be a person who doesn't do the wrong thing anymore. We want to be righteous. But for Jesus, righteousness was more than just not being bad. For Jesus, righteousness was something to be fulfilled. That God had a pathway for human beings to live. And yeah, you don't want to go down the wrong pathways, but you also want to bring obedience to the Lord and do the things that God tells godly people to do. And one of the things that God tells godly people to do is be baptized. Jesus says, listen, I'm not one of these guys in the sense that I have sin. I'm, I'm one of these guys in the sense that I am a follower of our God, and God tells his people to be baptized, so baptize me. And Matthew tells us, John consented. If Jesus comes to you physically and tells you to do something, consent. That's what you should do, and, and John did that. You can kind of understand why John was a little bit pushing back from this, because John makes dirty people clean. And the word baptism is not one that we use very often. And we talk about it in a religious context, but the, bap- the word baptism means to immerse, to dip something. You know, if you're at the beach and you're with your friends, you don't say, hey, I'm going to go baptize myself real quick and I'll be right back, right? <laughs> baptism is just a religious word. I have never heard it outside of a religious context. And yet, in Jesus' day, baptized was just a word. It wasn't a religious word necessarily, it was a word. 
I mean, sure, there were people who would baptize themselves every day. They'd do these ritual spiritual cleansings, and they'd wash themselves in this holy water kind of thing. But beyond that, baptize really just meant to dip something, to immerse something, to take something solid and put it into liquid. That's what, I don't know why I keep doing that. That's what baptism was. The most common term or the most common use for the word baptism was in a garment shop. If you were someone who made fabrics, what you would do is you would take these raw fabrics and you'd baptize them like this. You'd baptize them in different dyes. And so maybe you'd have a white t-shirt. This is probably too high tech for the first century. But maybe you'd have a white t-shirt or a loincloth or whatever people would wear back then. I shouldn't have said loincloth. A tunic or something back then. And you would take the tunic and you would baptize the white tunic in the purple dye. That's the word. Baptize. And you'd immerse it. You'd dip it. You would baptize it into the dye. And so that when the garment came out again, again, not a magic trick. This is just science here. When it comes out again, now it's purple. That's what happens. When you take a garment and you put it in purple dye, it becomes purple. And that's what it means to baptize something. You know, if you're, not, if you're wearing a purple shirt, I'm looking for someone with a purple shirt. If you're wearing one, you're getting nervous right now. I'm not going to call you out. Look down at whatever color shirt you're wearing. If it's not a plain, non-colored shirt, it's been baptized. It's not a Christian, but it's been <laughs> baptized in some color dye. So if you're wearing a red shirt, or you're wearing a blue shirt, or you're wearing a green shirt, like that beautiful gentleman right there, if you came up to me and said, hey, check out my new shirt, what do you think about it? I'd say, that's a very nice green shirt. I would not say, that's a very nice white shirt that someone happened to dye green, right? Because that's weird. That's not how we talk. If you're wearing a tie-dye shirt, we would say nice tie-dye shirt. We wouldn't say, oh, that's a beautiful white shirt that you've dyed with many colors. It's just a new type of shirt. It's a tie-dye shirt. And so when baptism happens, someone's being immersed in something And John's immersing people in water. When the New Testament authors talk about baptism, they talk about what we are baptized into. Paul says that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus, into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into his death. It says all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into his death so the life of Jesus might reign in our bodies. He says, don't you know that all of those who are baptized into Christ Jesus have been clothed with Christ. And he picks up that that issue from the garment shop where he says, those of you who have been baptized into Christ, it's almost like Jesus is purple dye and you as a human being have been dunked into Jesus and you've been clothed with Jesus. And so when you come back out of the water, now you look like Jesus. You've been changed. You know, if you've been baptized or you become a Christian, you can't undo that. Did you know that? Sometimes I got a text last night from a guy who said, hey, if I sin a lot, do I kind of get unsaved? Am I going to lose myself? Am I going to go to hell if I die? It doesn't work that way. I mean, this purple shirt, if that was like my favorite white shirt, it's gone. It's a purple shirt now. I can try to bleach it. It's still going to be kind of weirdy purple, right? That's just what happens when you dye something, when you baptize something and die, it becomes a new creation and you can't undo it. It's a purple shirt forever and ever and ever. So those of you who know Christ have been baptized into Christ. You've been clothed with Christ, and your very nature has changed. Isn't that cool? There's something amazing. That's why the Bible says that anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. It's gone. The new has come. And so when people up there are thinking about their old lives, and they get emotional, and they get sad, oh, man, I used to be such a terrible person. It's so hard sometimes to say, you know what, but that's not me anymore. 
My life is gone. And I, I'm hidden with Christ in God, Paul says. There's something about that baptism imagery that it's not just washing your sins away. It's dying you with Jesus. And so for the rest of your life and for the rest of eternity, you're his. When the father looks at you, he sees Jesus. When your sins come before God, he sees Jesus' righteousness. And Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist to identify with the people that he came to save. That's why John is kind of freaking out a little bit because Jesus is showing up and wanting to be baptized, not to wash away his sins, but to identify with sinful humanity. That's what sinful people do. I mean, on one hand, yeah, baptism, that's what godly people do. But the reason that godly people get baptized is because we're sinful people. Like the reason that people are saying, I need a fresh start, is because the last one didn't go so well for us, right? The reason that we're baptized into Christ and that we need Christ to forgive our sins, to give us new life, to make us new, we need that because we messed up the old life and we need a new life. We need the Jesus life. We are messed up people. And so when Jesus comes and is baptized, his sins aren't washed away, but he's identifying with sinful us. And Jesus is just like us in every way except for one. He didn't sin. He was tempted like us. We'll talk about that next week. He was tried like us. He went through hardships like us. He lost friends like us. He lost family like us. He was rejected like us. He tried hard to do good like us. It was a struggle like us. He identified with us. And yet John the Baptist was not looking for a king who would identify with sinful people. John the Baptist was looking for a king who was mightier and better and more wonderful and more kingly and more leader-like than sinful people. That's why he pushes back. Imagine you're in the middle of the ocean and you're drowning. It's a good image for a Sunday night. And your friends are there too, so it's a little better. You and your friends are drowning in the middle of the ocean and <laughs> treading water the best of your ability, right? You're like, yes, okay, we're just trying to stay alive, staying alive. Hopefully somebody can find us. We're trying to stay alive, praying for the Coast Guard to show up, right? And then all of a sudden you hear a helicopter and a guy jumps out of it like, and he flies through the air and then splashes in the water next to you and the helicopter goes away and this guy bobs up and says, hey, how you guys doing? <laughs> like, well, we're dying here. Uh, we are drowning. You've been trying to tread water for a long time. He says, hey, it's, I, I'm with the Coast Guard, and I've been trained in how to tread water for hours and hours and hours, and I, I can help you. I can, I can show you how to do that. I can show you a good way to, to be here in the middle of the ocean. And you're like, oh, really? Oh, oh, okay, that's where the helicopter go? <laughs> so, and I, I'm with you. I'm down here with you guys. You're like, that's not what we want, right? We, we don't want a Savior who's down here with us, guys. We want a Savior who's up there with those guys, right? That's, that's what we want. And that's kind of what John was feeling was, okay, here comes this king, and now he's one of us. He has baptized into the human community. Uh, great, Jesus, welcome to sinful humanity. Um, we were looking for someone who could fix this place. So you're treading water out in the middle of the ocean, and all of a sudden the helicopter comes back. And they throw down this big, like, harness or something like And the Coast Guard guy grabs it. And a guy up in the helicopter over the megaphone says, This man down here is with the U.S. Coast Guard. Do everything he says and you will be fine. Right? You're like, oh, okay, I see what's going on. Right? And he's helping you put the harness on and they're taking people up into the helicopter. You're like, oh, okay, this makes more sense. 
That's exactly, not exactly, that's kind of what happens when Jesus is baptized. Jesus identifies with sinful humanity. He becomes, not in that moment becomes a human, but he identifies with the human race and says, I am one of you. I'm part of your community. I'm not a sinner like you, but I'm one of you, 100%. I'm human just like you. I'm part of that community. And as John the Baptist is like, oh no, what does this mean? The heavens open and the Holy Spirit comes down, not a harness, but the Spirit, comes down and, and kind of lands on Jesus like a dove somehow. That's the best way that Matthew and the writers can, can describe it. And the Father looks down from heaven in a sense and a voice calls out from the heavens, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And we always look at this as a beautiful picture of the Trinity. We see Father and Son and Spirit coexisting. We see the Father calling upon the Son and saying, He is one of us in the heavens. Listen to Him. He's my Son. He's part of the royal family. He's part of the Trinity. He's part of the Godhead. He's one of us, Father, Son, and Spirit. Jesus makes us, right? Us three. And we say, look at the Trinity in Matthew chapter 3 and we see it. But sometimes we miss the fact that this happens right after Jesus identifies with humanity. Then in Matthew chapter 3, what Jesus is doing is being baptized into the human race. In the same way, when you're baptized, you don't become a Christian. You demonstrate and proclaim you are one. Jesus doesn't become a human at his baptism. He demonstrates and says, I am fully human. I am one of you. I am identifying with sinful humanity. At the same time, the Father is saying, he is one of us. He is not one of you in that sense. He is identifying with the deity of Father, Son, and Spirit. And so in Matthew 3, we have a picture of a Son who is fully God and fully human, relating to the heavens and relating to the earth, who is with us so he might save us, but with them so he is powerful to do the saving because he's from above, not from below. Jesus is one who added to his divinity humanity and became those that he wished to save. And we see that in a powerful way in this chapter when Jesus identifies with humanity and then is proclaimed by the Father to be divine. That's a cool savior. And it's not the Coast Guard guy treading water with you and patting you on the back and saying, hey, I'm going to teach you how to make it an extra 18 hours before you drown and the sharks eat you, right? <laughs> and Jesus is down there in the water because he's putting the harness on the human beings. Imagine you're up in a helicopter and you're shivering and they put a towel around you and you see your friends coming up on the scariest ride of your life, but you're glad you're taking it, right? And, and you and your friends are sitting in the helicopter, you start to fly away and someone says, hey, where's the Coast Guard guy? Where's the guy who came, came down? And, and someone says, well, he was putting all the harnesses on everyone. There was no one to put the harness on, on him. And someone had to stay down there in the water. And so he's down there and you're thinking, man, he is... He is falling to the depths of the sea, and he did that so that we might be saved. And that's what we see in Jesus when he was crucified. Uh, that he becomes man. That he identifies with us, but without the dirt. And he steps into the desert and is tempted and passes the temptation. He walks through life and he never stumbles. He completes every act of righteousness the Father puts in front of him. He lives the life that God calls us all to live and yet we turn on him. We crucify him. He dies. He's judged by the Father for our sins so that our sins might be forgiven and then he's buried in the grave. 
Now, if you were on that helicopter and you know the story of the resurrection, the next story is like all of a sudden Jesus is on a jet pack and he's like flying up from the ocean. Like, oh, that was awesome, wasn't it, right? As we know, it happened on Easter. Jesus rises from the grave. He conquers death. He bursts forth from the sea in a sense. He comes out of the grave and he steps back on the earth and he says, that was crazy. Now follow me, right? And then he ascends into heaven. He sits down on the throne of God, at the right hand of the throne of God, and he starts to rule and reign in this earth, and everything starts changing. Your life starts changing. The culture starts changing. The world starts changing because Jesus is reigning. He's ruling. He's seated on the throne of God because he's not dead. He's alive. That would be really cool if you were in a helicopter and the Coast Guard guy jetpacked it back up, but that doesn't happen in our lives. That's what happened in the gospel. And the picture of baptism, when we take a person and we dunk them under the water, it's almost like we're drowning them. We would never do that, but it's almost like that, right? That you walk into the tank and you're remembering, man, I was a terrible, horrible person, and man, I don't deserve to be here. I don't even know what happened. It's a whirlwind. And then we stick you under the water and we say, well, you died. That's what happened. And the water's washed your sins away. And then you burst forth from the grave, and now you're walking into new life. That's baptism. We're being baptized into Jesus when we believe, but when we're baptized in the water, we're showing the world what happened. And then when Jesus died and when he rose again, we were super glued to him. We were died, we were buried, and our life now is in Christ and we're raised and we don't know what happened, but we're here because he saved us. A lot of times we think about baptism as a religious ritual, but I would encourage you to think the way that the Bible authors in the New Testament talk about it and Remember what you're baptized into, that all of us who are baptized into Jesus have been clothed with Christ, that all of you who are baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death and into his resurrection, that you died when you were baptized into Christ, when you believed in Jesus Christ, and your life became hidden with Christ in God. Uh, The old is gone, the new has come. You're a new creation, and you might look the same on the outside, But on the inside, you're purple now. (laughs) You died and you've been dyed by Jesus Christ. And he's transformed you. You Here at Three Crosses, we're all about life transformation. We say it all the time. Life transformation through following Christ. Because we believe that the mission of Jesus was to make dead things alive. To make old things new. To make lost things found. To transform human beings when they hear the story of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And they believe it and they become baptized into Jesus. And then they go up there and they say, I was baptized into Christ. I believed. And then we say, boom, boom, look what happened. You feel it. Feel the cold wind. That's what happened. You've been made new again. We love that. Some of you have never experienced that. You haven't placed your faith in Jesus. Ask him to cleanse you. Ask him to give you new life. Do that tonight. And every week we take communion, and that's a time for believers every time to remember, remember, and proclaim the death of Jesus. You know, baptism is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I talk to people all the time and say, I want to get rebaptized. Man, it was so great last week. I want to do it again. It's like Okay, that is not, that is not something we do every week. That's not the, the right that God has given us to do every single week, but there is one that he has given us to do regularly, and that's communion. It's where we renew our covenant with God and we remember that moment in our lives. We remember when we were made alive. We remember that he died on the cross and that forgives our sins and, and the cross and the empty tomb comes near to us again. Tonight, if you're a believer in Jesus, and you've been baptized, it's not time to get baptized again. It's time to take communion. 
It's time to come forward and remember the death of Jesus and proclaim that Jesus' death has given you life. That he was baptized into sinful humanity so that you might be baptized into his identity, which is a way better exchange. He gets us and we get him. Tonight as you eat and as you drink, remember that. Remember that all of you who have been baptized into Jesus have been clothed with Christ. And tonight, if you're not a believer, communion is, is not for you. That's something that believers do to remember what has happened in their lives. But I would encourage you to place your faith in Jesus tonight. Confess your sins during this time of, of singing and communion, not out loud or anything, but quietly to God and ask him to give you a new life, a fresh life, a fresh start. Ask him to give you Jesus and let you walk with him for the rest of your days and into eternity. And then come forward and take communion and remember that his death gave you life even tonight. And then the next time we do baptisms, sign up. Actually, sign up tonight. Just call us tonight, text us tonight, and say, sign me up. And we'll sign you up for whenever we can do it soon. But we would love, love to celebrate that new life with you in baptism. Let's pray together, and then let's move into a time of communion.